0: Good evening. hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches, the Daf Nun um our third in a row of our, um, of our Mayor Shapiro. Is it Nun yes hey? Yes, yeah, Nun hey. okay. I think he's... Oh, I didn't have my tomorrow lesson. That's true. Good. That's true. <laughs> so we're continuing on our theme, what happens if you make a neder in one space... And the neder, does it have applicability in, in other similar spaces? The mission opens at the top of the page. If a person makes a neder against eating grain, what do we typically know? What do we typically know about grain? When we hear grain, we think barley, rye, oat, wheat, and spelt, the five grains that leaven, the ones that are kosher for Pesach, if they're made the right way, and the other ones are all going to be mizonos, whatever it is. But here, we would that's what we would have assumed. Yeah, the Gemara is more expansive here. The mission writes, it's not only with regular grains. Rather says the Tanakama, which is Reb Meir, Even certain beans would be included in here. We'll see why in the Gemara. No, so the question here is: What is intended by the phrase "dugon"? Does dugun mean something, as we will soon see, that gets piled up? When it's being harvested? Or no, does it only mean Dagan in a more literal sense, the Chameshes minedagun? So that's Machlokes number one. The Mishnah then continues, Rameer Omer, Hanoder Minatvua. He because Rameer, Rameer, didn't have a way to only limit Dagon so far. To only limit the limit the Khameshes He he had a different Sheeta. So how does he say Dagun? Only the five grains. That's Minatvua. If you say Minatvua, that language is chameshes, Mi I minat, But Dagan is much more of a broad language than the Hameshas Minagun. Of course, if a person says that they're not going to eat dugon, by definition, they can eat fruits, uh, of fruits of the tree and vegetables, no problem at all. Isn't Tula a catch-all for everything that goes from the ground? That's a great question. That's one of the Gemara's questions. But it's based on a Pasuk, not only based on Svar, oh. but it's a great question, yes. But you can see clearly from the Mishnah that it, it's, it looks the reverse, that dugon seems super broad, according to Rav and Tua seems super narrow. Are they right what we didn't spell our mission doesn't speak about quinoa. Is quinoa of that. Ve- These are Nafkumin's not- Lamaisa. Is quinoa a vegetable. It's Boripriyadama. Is quinoa mizonos. Is it a grain? Rice is the only one that lives in the twilight. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go. That's gonna go in my new restaurant. What what did we call it last night? Lav bar inish. Rice is the rice lives in the gray. rice is what the only food that's Mizonos on the front end and Borei Nafashos on the other. We don't really have other exceptions for that. So that's the end of the Mishnah. The Gemara is now bothered by Shita of Meir, because Rav Meir had tried to have it both ways. He called it Dagan and said that it's broader than the Chamei Shesmine Dagan. So right as the Gemara opens six, seven lines down, and hey, the Gemara says the Memra, what's implied from the Shita? Of Rav Meir is the dagon called the midgan mashma. What Rav Meir must have meant with the word dagon is that when I make a neder about the word dagon, it must mean pshat in dagon, which means to make a pile. It doesn't just mean grain; it also means to make a pile. The midgan, anything that's piled up. That's the implication of Shitas Rav Meir. It does explain Shitas Rav Meir a little bit better because the word midgan means to make a pile, and therefore we can understand why he was more expansive than just grain. Yes, of course you do that to wheat, to barley, rye, wheat, and spelt. By the way, browse is the acronym to remember the five grains that are kosher for, uh, for matzah, bar there, rye, old, wheat and spelt. Okay, let's continue. The Gemara asked a question. Hold on one second. Musti Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says, hang on one second. We have a pasuk that's uh, in Safer... Um, Divrei Yomim it's a pasuk about coming back to Eretz Yisrael. hadavar uh, um, when it became well known that, that uh, they wanted to start collecting truma. Here, b'be'nei Yisrael, dug on tirosh, grains and wine and, and olives, and then the pasuk adds in v'chol tuas asad rove v'gomer says the Gemara. The is called the midgun mashma. If really the word Dagon implies more broadly, like Meir wanted to say, that it was that's anything that's midgun, anything that's piled up, my what then is the end of the Pasuk And there should be a text change here. It shouldn't say hirbu. It should say Asade. Why does it say Asade after it says Dagon? Rav Meir, you tried to tie. You tried to say that Dagan doesn't mean dugun. it means anything that's put in a pile. But this Pasuk first says Dagan, and then it says V'chol Tv'as <laughs> So which one is it? Does Dagan mean what you say it means? Or does the Pusuk win? So the Gemara says, No, he was, that that Tv'as Hasadet was coming to add in other things. It wasn't coming to add in other things that are piled or not piled. It's coming to talk about things that are outside of the camp of Dagon altogether, which is fruits and vegetables. That brings us to the first two dots, and the Gemara says, Rav Meir Omer we had said this line of Rav Meir in our Mishnah, that Rav Meir says Dagan is very broad, and Tvua only talks about the Chameshes Mine Dagan. So the Gemara says, Rav mm-hmm. Yohanan, and he takes Rav Meir's line and just kicks it up a notch. And he says, he says mm-hmm. So everybody knows, and by everybody knows, I mean none of us knew that if you say, that means that you cannot eat barley, rye, oat, weed, and spelt. In fact, before this last 10 seconds, if one of us would have said, I make a nether, that, and they say that they're never going to eat t'vua again, guaranteed we'd be allowed to eat, allowed to eat grain. Because you know what we're thinking about? Some big machine that's in southern Illinois harvesting soybeans. We don't we don't think about crops the way they thought about crops, and that's a big yeso that we're going to see in the next mishnah on this page on the next page somewhere, uh, the end of this mishnah. Yeah, the end of, soon. And what we're going to see is that it's all about your it's all about context. It's all about your understanding of where you are, what's normal in your locale. That is going to be the only way that we'll have clarity on what a person means. So how can you know there on that? Because then, for example, you're going to miss out. On matzah, isn't it a mitzvah say to eat matzah? Very good. So we asked this question also. What about a husband who says he asters his wife? Okay. So we spoke about this then. Who remembers the answer? Anybody know? It was. It was. It's indirect. You get what? You, get you don't get whipped. No. No. Isn't that a matzah mashakas That's what the Gemara says. Matzah mashakas of How can you do that? He's for that, he's, a, he's ahead of the curve. He's ahead because he went to YTT. We were just talking about it. I went to <laughs> the Torah, so he knows matzah mashakas Torah. Yeah. So the Gemara said over there, he wasn't saying to his wife, I'm not going to fulfill the mitzvah of Ona. He's saying, I'm I'm Masar with this Hanah. And it's one step removed from being Masa, Masa, And that's how we get around all of these issues. It's just a, just you know, push in. It's just a simple, it's, 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 you're right, you're right. But because it's indirect, it's not, it doesn't violate the rules of Masa, you're still not going to fulfill it, and that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem for you, but that—that's not. It's not a halakhic is, issue that... Let's say a person says, "I will never benefit from leather," which are filling our leather. It's indirect. You're not saying I don't want to do the mitzvah of filling You're saying, "I don't want to of <inaudible> Or that right there. <inaudible> Hold on, I got to catch up to you. Which I buy? This I buy? No, that's, oh, that's you don't know? I remember yesterday's talk. Okay, Avaya and Tazayin, go ahead. it implies that Avaya and Tazayin, is the honey thing, but no, uh, yeah, but right, my, was, it wasn't my fault. I so we, we yeah, we're going to learn about leather in a little bit, but not really in regards to mitzvahs, yeah. but that, that's going to be a mission on the other day. To get the nether, whatever the word is. To be of the nether? Yeah. What, that there's a mitzvah involved?
1: Right now, only you. if your
0: perspective was had only I known that it would have undone my capacity. That's what. That's what the, If only I had known is the loophole of being shol and edder. If only I had known, then you're done. And the, we had a machlokas, you need to do it by yourself. We discussed that already. Don't remember the conclusion, but that's what we discussed. The Gemara says we have a raya for Shetas or of Yochanan, that anyone who says tua means chameshes third of the way down. Vishovin, it should be above there. It says the Gemara, thank you very much, of Yochan. Yeshaka. <laughs> we have uh, everybody agrees with you. We know that Shita says the Gemara, no, Mahu tua mashma. You might have thought that the word tua is an all-inclusive terminology. And what the Rishonim here add is that the um, the word that Unklus uses for Tvua is alalta, and alalta is apparently, uh, it, it's basically a prophet. So the word means to all the prophets, all the shvach. So then, kamash malan no. The word Tvua itself does not mean that much. It doesn't mean, it's a, a limited word, not a not an expansive word. Masif Rav it can't be that Tua is a limited word, because it says, Masif Rav Yosef, and in that passage, it said, is a very broad language. So the Gemara says, The words are different. If you use Tua by itself, it means, If you use Tua Sassad, that's a bit of a broader language. Okay, story time. Five lines before the wide lines. Bar uh, Mar uh, Pakid, he got a, Rashi says here, the Mepharish says Pakid, two-thirds of the way down. Tziva v'tzava also. He put in his, uh, in his tzava, in his will. To leis nun, he would give tlesar alfe zuzeh, 13,000 the Rava, min alalta dinaharpanya. He would give rava, oh, that's a lot of money. And where was the money coming from? Min alalta, from the shevach, from the proceeds of dinaharpanya, which is a, a location. So that's what he was supposed to get from that estate. Shalcha Rava lekamei de Rav Yosef. Rava, fourth century Amor, looks back to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was the Rebbe of Abaye, and Rava still asked him shilas. Everyone, everybody knew each other. They were all friends. And here, the Gemara says that he, he went out, went to Rav Yosef or sent him a letter. In Shalcha lekamei, in says to Rav Yosef, Alalta hechin mikarya. How? Would, what's the scope and parameters of Alalta? Now, we, this is important because we were just discussing tvua, and we said tvua is a little bit of a limited word. Alalta means shvach, all the proceeds. So is that a larger word or is that a smaller terminology? Omar, he says to Ravah, You're slacking. This is a basic Mishnah. You should know this, Ravah. The Mishnah says, You only get to benefit from the estate as it relates to Hamesha Asaminin. And Omar, Leah, Wait one second. Remember who Abaye is, a Talmud of safe Yosef, right? So now Abaye and Rav are basically sitting in front of Rabbi Yosef now. Uh, it's not literally sitting in front because Rav sent a letter. So Rav sent a letter and Abaye is dialoguing with his Rebbe. He says, why would you answer that to Rav? That's not me dummy. How could they even be comparable? That's very narrow. And Alalta is very broad. So how can you respond to Rabba who wants to know what Alalta is? That Alalta is chamishes Mine dagon. That's not true. Alalta is kol Mili mashma. So it says the Gemara. They brought the answer in front of Rabba. and then Amar, then Ravah like, no. Hello, Baili. That wasn't my question. De Alalta Kolmili mashma. Everybody knows kol Mili is mashma. Everybody knows. It. Then Alalta is a, a broader terminology. Hadahu Really, I had a different question. It, the question he wrote in was the question he responded to. But it wasn't really the question that was bothering Ravah. What was really bothering Ravah? Two-thirds of the way, down three lines into the white lines. Remember, alalta is shvach. And I'm allowed to benefit from the proceeds from shvach that this, that this person owned, that he put into his tava. So what about the rent that comes in from tenants? Schar is schar sfinos. They used to rent out soon. We're going to have like Uber boats, right? So now we have Uber cars and you have, you have Airbnb. We rent people's homes. What about the proceeds there? So what's the mean, Why wouldn't those proceeds count? Says the Gemara, do we say, (laughs) because there's, with with wear and tear, when I use something of yours, there's a wear and tear, therefore, it's not pure proceeds, and therefore that's not money I'm allowed to take as part of the Alalta. Or perhaps, because we can't really measure the wear and tear, right? So, so we 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 just had to do some work in my bathroom. My shower handle turned off, and then all of a sudden it started spinning around. And so I couldn't even turn the water back on if I tried. I had to hire a plumber. Wear and tear. It's not any one use of the of the handle. It's the makibah. You never know. Not. I guess, yes, everyone, but it's, in, but it's not measurable. You don't know when it's going to break. So it says the Gemara, maybe, perhaps, because we don't know the reduction in wear and tear of one person's use, maybe that's considered Al Alta. is profit. It can't be a profit minus reduction. It has to be profit. So maybe we still consider that. So that was really the question that was bothering Ravah. Now, when, when Rav Yosef heard about that, they said to Rav Yosef, uh, you know, the letter that Rava sent you. Was, well, that wasn't his question. He really had a different question. So, Omar, <laughs> If he doesn't need me, don't waste my time. I'm a busy post. I've got a functioning yeshiva. Leave me be. And it says the Gemara, Iqbed Rav Yosef. was <laughs> upset. Wow. Don't waste my time. It should make us think twice when we ask Yisrael to the Rav. we should, should be a little bit more. Uh, okay. So, Shamar Rav. Rav I heard that Rav Yosef was upset. And again, this is a... a he, he was a Talmud generation. This is the Rav generation. So he went over to him. He went over on an Arab Yom Kippur. And he wanted to ask for Mechila for what happened. So the Gemara says, When Rava walked into Rav Yosef's house, or into the yeshiva, doesn't say where, he saw his servant to have a kamazig de He was diluting... A, uh, a cup of wine for him. Of course, we know historically that their wine was extremely strong, and they would dilute it. Their shilos and poskim, what's over diluting to the point that you go from bore priagav to shahakol dalad kosos to not dalad kosos shabbos bichule. These are good shilas and poskim. But the Gemara says that he saw that Ravah saw that the Shamash was doing this for Avyosin. Amarle, he says, "Havli Please let me do the mizig, Let me do the dilution. I'm good at this, and let me be." So the Shamash is like, "Okay, do your thing." Yohavle, the servant gave to Rava. He gave him the the wine and gave him the water. The Kamazi ihukasa the Khamra. and then Rava did the meziga. Kikashasi, when Rav Yosef picked it up, Bore priagaf, and he takes a sip. Reminder: Rav Yosef is blind. He said, genius. Amar dummy Rava This exact ratio of dilution tastes like the dilution of Rava. And mm-hmm. I, and I, uh, and by the way, now if you take a hundred bottles of wine, i take 10 bottles of wine ranging from $50 to $50,000, the average consumer could not tell the difference uh, for bourbon, for tequila, they would know for tequila, but they would not know as it relates to wine. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Macabre, I'm not Macabre, I'm not Macabre, just fancy people, yeah, a bunch of fine Schmeckers, that's what we all are, that's right. So as the Gemara says that Rav, that Rav Yosef had had mama, she he had a palate. He was able to distinguish. Omar lei, so after Rav Yosef called out and said, "Wow, this tastes like rubber, he says, "Who You're exactly right. It's him." Really saying it's me, but he was just speaking, you know, a little bit, a little bit respectfully. Omar le, Rav Yosef pipes up and he says, Lo You cannot sit on uh, sit on your sit down. Uh, De milsa until you answer the following question for me." P.S., we never go back to the question at hand. He never asked for Mechila in the story. We never go back to the question that he asked ever. Just a different story now. So, I, in and, and Yaakov, go look in the Mar Mekomas. This It's very strange. In fact, he spoke to the Lord. He didn't say was out Yeah, but he didn't tell you. You have to ask for Mechila. Maybe that's a diuk that, that Mechila can be implied. Yeah, it's a strange story. Yeah. Ben-Amen? It was the Arab Yom Kippur. Correct. It was the Yom Kippur. He went to ask Mechila. I mean, that's the implication of the Gemara, at least. That's a uh, Okay, so the Gemara says, "What was the question he asked him?" My deceive. What does the pasuk mean when it says Now, when we learn these psukim, we're like, "Cool, they traveled, right?" That's not what the Tanaim and Amoraim saw. Amar Lei, Rava says back to Rav Yosef. This is so beautiful. Once a person makes themselves like a desert which anyone is able to trample upon. Look at the mafarish. Second to last line, and now on to the last line, a person who is willing to teach Torah selflessly to others for free, then, then he gets the gift of Torah. Now, it's interesting because you first have to teach Torah selflessly to get the gift of Torah, which means that there's levels Levels that you can gain access to. There's the Pashat level, which is um, learning a dafkamura. I didn't understand it before, and I understand it now. And then there's the Matana level, which is whoa, you're getting a you're getting a gift. You're getting it's a whole other ballgame. And then um, that's how do we know that the Torah is Nitna Lobe Matana? Umi Midbar Matana? Once you make yourself a Midbar, then you get the Matana. Once you get this as a gift, that you're going to be getting this Yerusha from a a Kodesh Baruch Hu, fine. Once you get there, again, these are rungs of Torah. Once you get there, then you will uh, access greatness. And a bama is a raised platform. If you were the one who raised yourself up and it wasn't a kodesh baruch, then a kodesh Hu mashpilo. You become a balgai, but kodesh Hu will pull the carpet out from under you and, uh, and and bring you back down to where you belong. From the high places to the low places. Not only that, but if a person does elevate themselves, they get lowered into the ground. Um, and the word b'nishkafah means that they looked out, and the him here, right? If you look at the Mefarish, the last one on the page, it says kemo hamashkof. Hamashkov is a lentil. That that's not that's actually not in the ground. And if you look at the Hagos Habach and those katan vav over there, he writes that the word is the wrong word, um, and it really should be kemo uh, hashakuf, that which is barely seen, It's something that is in the ground. And that's what uh, what happens if a person doesn't. If they raise themselves up on their own. If you can close their bow, but if a person does chuva, don't worry, Aspar my Bio turning to the top of Domund Hamid beze. Kospar will bring you back to where you are Shanr Colge say that everyone from the low places will then be elevated yet again. End of story. Again, a lot of question marks. Many years ago, I used to sit in the shear of Beryl Gershenfeld and he used to show us an agatata. He'd ask us to read it, just push shot, read it. And he would throw 20 questions at it that made no sense. Logical cup questions, not like, it was, was Givaldic. And then he would pull out this Maharal and just everything was poetry. By the time he was done, Masok Midvash. I still have notes from it. Unbelievable how he how he taught about it. It was great. It was great. He He's in Eretz uh, What's the name of that? Mahon Yaakov, Mahon Shlomo. He's part of that institution. Oh, yeah. He's a big bucky. And, know, in been oh, really? Really? Wow, he's very special. He's very special. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Good. We're we back in the Gamar? We're coming back to a Bryson now that is actually related to what we were talking about at the start of the day. Tanya, the Bryson rights top line. Nun Hamid Bays, the Bryson rights. If a person makes a nether upon themselves about Dagan, then there are some things that are broadly included. This is Shittas like we saw in our Mishnah, but you can eat those beans if they're moist with rice. That's very, very important line in the Gemara. Rice is mutter if you say Dagon. What does that tell us? It's not a grain. <laughs> that's a very important line because if you are, even if you're Ashkenazi, it's not an Isr to Rice, but the Svar the Mamish eat it. Yeah. You we know we're not talking about him right now, right? No, so so <laughs> so I so scroll so he said that it's it's very good to amount with Orez? Right. Yeah, we had this discussion of Pesachim. It so don't, we don't we don't pask in that way for sure. So yes, we so we don't have Mm-hmm. So, but our is, is that the, um, that is not that that not a point So certainly not, right? Yeah, yeah. Certainly a contrast. Machlok is in the time for sure, but here it's crystal clear. For we're talking about an iser malcos. If you violate your neder, the Gemara is painting a perfectly clear picture. Rice is not grain. At least according to Shet's These three words are references to kernels of wheat that are broken up in either twos, threes, or fours. We learned about this once before in Shas. Don't remember where, but that's what he's talking about. Over here, all that's mutter. What? Of course. If a person says, I'm not going to eat the fruits of this year, the Gemara says, You're not allowed to eat the fruits of that year. Very good. But we're not speaking homiletically about the fruits of animals, meaning meaning babies or the products of animals. Therefore, You're allowed to eat all of these animals, their milk, eggs, are birds, no problem. If you said a broader language, anything that grows this year, I will therefore restrict upon myself, then. Next, eight lines down, Hanodermina Peresarets, mean Peresarets if a person takes a restriction of the fruits of the land. So there, the Gemara says these are Peresarets. You're not allowed to eat regular perus, but you are allowed to mean u, u- petrios. These are truffles and mushrooms. Mushrooms, probably a little bit more applicable than truffles. But the Gemara sa- seems to say two things. It seems to say that Petrios are Peresarets, and it also seems to say that they don't fall under the Neder of Hanodermin Peresarets. If you said anything that grows from the ground at all, then asr Asks the Gemara. And this is important because the bracha and mushrooms is shahakol. So we have to figure out exactly how this works. Or we have a b'raisa. The b'raisa reads, al davar she'in gidulo mina karka omer shahakol on something that doesn't grow from the ground, the bracha shahakol, and the brisa on that brisa, al ve'al haZamis. If you have uh, salt, or if you have salt water, u'pitrios on truffles and mushrooms, Omer shahakol ni stira. How can you tell me that uh, that it's considered to be peros min it's if they're, they're mushrooms? Yet over here we see that they're shahakol. Amar mirba mir ba'rabu ara. They in fact do grow on the ground. But Menach, where do they nurse from? Namely, where do they get their nutrients from? Menach v'lo me'ara. So yes, they physically are placed on the ground, but they get their nutrients from the air surrounding and not from the ground itself. Uh, namely, there's no roots of mushrooms in the ground. They just grow on their own. Says the Gemara, wait one second. You, it's nice that you're saying that. Vaktani al davar she'en you said it's engidulam in so it says again, You're right. We have to change the language of this brisa. To me, it uh, should say al davar she'en yonik min because it's not yonik from the ground. A little bit more of a specific language. The maysa, mushrooms are shahako. That's uh, how we paskin, Even though they are vegetation of some kind, because they're yonik, they're they're menak me avir New mishnah halfway down. A person says they're not going to wear clothes. So mutter bisak, they can wear sackcloth of yuria, they can wear sheets of a chamila, some type of garment, all of that is considered permissible. Uh, the mafarish says that chamila is kain urea, it's something similar to a sheet. So it's hard for us to translate because uh, as is always the case with Nadar, the language is very hard for us. Omar, if a person says Konam Temer Ole Alai, I hereby restrict wool from being upon me. Be gize you're allowed to still cover yourself with pieces of wool. Okay? you can't put on a wool suit, but you could take on a little bit of fabric and put it on you. If a person says a Pishtan Ole Alai, flax, I'm not going to have that upon me. There too, be anite Pishtan, you can take strips of flax. You just can't wear a garment made out of flax. But if you heard the Omer, and this is a big klal, ha'kol lefi hanoder. Everything is dependent upon what the noder says. If I'm the one making a nether, it depends what comes out of my mouth, coupled with what my intentions are. Ta'an vihizia. Let's say I'm carrying something and it's making me sweat. Or I'm carrying something that smells bad. Omar konam I hereby make a make a nether against pishtim. Did I mean I wasn't going to wear them ever? No, it just meant I didn't want to carry them anymore. They make me sweat and it smells bad. Therefore, what he meant is, I'm there's nothing wrong with wearing the suit, but I'm not allowed to then carry it again because I made a neder against Semer and Pishtim to carry them. I'm not doing it. It smells bad. So You have to listen to what's going on. Look at the context. Obviously, he's not making a neder against his clothing. He doesn't want to carry this kind of stuff anymore. So it's a kol noder. Tanya the Bryser writes, Two-thirds, three-fourths of the way down. Hanoderminaxus, similar brisa to our Mishnah. Someone who makes a restriction on clothing. Motur besaku just like our Mishnah, you're allowed to wear sackcloth, sheets, and chamila is another type of garment similar to sheets. Bapaskia, those two are kind of belts. Uvi We'll see what that means in a minute. Uvik uplina, kova all of these types of garments, leather garments, hats and pants, and uh Saim and is a hat. Says Gemara, is korti, amar Raba Bar Barchana, kituna detsila." This is a leather shirt. That is a look. That is just. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't judging you. Like it. look of you. You think so? I usually look at your year in review. I'm saying that's what i am wearing all year. Wow. wow. Says the Gamora Tanya, the Brayer writes. You are allowed to go out wearing a sackcloth, or sagus is another type of sackcloth that are thick, and with a sheet, and with this garment that's similar to the sheet. What would be the equivalent? You can wear a poncho. You're allowed to wear things that are specific to rain. However, you can't go out wearing a box over your head kupa, another type of shape you can't wear a mat over your head that's not allowed so Poskem asked this question are you allowed to wear a baseball hat on Shabbos if the hat has a brim that's a tefach so is that a CSO on Shabbos even though it's temporary and even though that it wasn't purely your intent. Can you wear your Shabbos hat? The new brims are smaller than a tefah. The smaller like, some, some. some brims are. Yeah, absolutely. So these are these are it's interesting the questions. Shabbat. And What They're, they can't no, but if you're if you're wearing a hat because it's your hat and you didn't wear it because of the rain, that's not opening an umbrella. That, but if you're wearing your own hat home, that's you're not wearing it for that purpose. You're wearing um, unless you are. <laughs> you have to know yourself. But I remember many years ago hearing in some kolal, I was standing and they were discussing can you take a baseball hat and wear it on Shabbos? I don't know how long I saw I presume it's mutter, but I don't know. Beautiful. What's, what is that? Siana? Siana yeah. is the cover show. Not that, right? But so. So it's a hat. It's, about, I'm it's, a it uh, it's right. yeah, beautiful. It's to... I remember I was talking about it once at some point. But at that point, if it's in Maseche Shabbos, it was from my dining room in the middle of COVID. All of that's PTSD to start with. So, okay, <laughs> <laughs> lastly, <laughs> the, the people who are shepherds, they are allowed to go out with Sakim. And says the Gemara, what's with the rom? Just That was a common thing that people had to do, had to go out for. Last sogyu of the night, Rabbi Huda Omer HaKolofi HaNoder, let's give another example of following the content and context of the noder. Tanya, Kei Amar Rabbi Yehuda HaKolofi what does Rabbi Huda mean when he says that we follow what the noder says? if a person is wearing wool and it's difficult, it's uncomfortable for him, says the Gemara, Amar and he says, in that moment of discomfort, Konam so Tzamer Ole Alai, says the Gemara, Asr Lilbo Shumoter Because what was he complaining about? Wearing leather. So if you're wearing leather and it starts to rain and you start to smell, and because wet wool doesn't smell good, you call out in frustration, I'm making a nether of myself not to wear this material again. Says the Gemara, that's only about clothing. Therefore, says the Gemara, and lastly, if a person's carrying flax and he starts to sweat, and then and I don't want to wear pishtan again. Obviously, because it's all about context, and he was sweating, and it doesn't. It was heavy and because he was carrying flax. That's what became us. We'll stop right here. We'll pick up Mir tomorrow night with and Vav, Wishing you all a beautiful night. Yeah.